Okay, today's daf is Baba Kama Yud Aleph 11. We pick up on Yud Amd Bet um, and the um, two dots, um, the very last of the narrow lines. <coughs> and our learning should be in the Zuchus of the safety of our Chayalim and Chayalot and a speedy end to uh, the fighting and this for a quick resolution and the safety and security of Am Yisrael, Medina Yisrael. Okay, so we pick up on the last of the narrow lines on Yudab Bet Chafti Nizko. This is the Mishnah that speaks about the uh, common denominator between the Avot Nizikin, and it says that when you are uh, liable, you have incur- incurred the liability of Tashlumi Nizko, of paying for the damages. So let's see what the Gemara does with that. Chafti Benizko Lokhtani. The Mishnah didn't say I am liable for the damages. Nizko for the um, compensation of the damages. So okay, what are we going to make out of that? We taught in the Mishnah that which we taught in the Brayta. Tashlumi Nezek. What does the phrase Tashlumi Nezek, the Tanaitic phrase, mean? That teaches you that the that the um, Owners, the owners of the cow that got gored, it's their responsibility to worry about the carcass of their animal. All right, so uh, a, cow, a, a bull gored their their cow, uh, which was worth a hundred dollars, and now the cow, the dead carcass, is worth ten dollars. So they, uh, the owner of the uh, of of the bull, has to pay for ninety dollars of damage, and not it's not you break it, you buy it. It's not that he now owns the dead carcass um, and has to pay for the hundred dollar bull. No, he um, caused a hundred dollar cow. No, he caused a hundred dollar cow to now be a ten dollar carcass. He pays $90, and the owner continues to own the dead carcass, the $10 dead carcass. The owners of the cow have to uh, take care of, have to be responsible for um, the carcass. Um, where does this come from? Maybe you would have to pay, maybe the uh, owner of the uh, bull would have to pay the full $100, and he would take the dead carcass. The Pasuk says, One who smites the soul of an animal, a person who, uh, who, who uh, kills an animal, shall pay for it. Altikri Yishalmena shall pay for it. Ela Yashlimena shall complete, supplement the damage. So if somebody killed a bull, killed a cow, let's say now it's a person who killed a cow, and it was worth a hundred and now it's worth ten. It's not he shall pay for the cow, he shall pay the hundred. No, he shall supplement the difference of what it was worth then and what it's worth now, he shall pay ninety. And the logic of this is that it's not you break it, you buy it. It's not for sale. You didn't buy it. You damaged something, you pay for the damage that 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 you know your actions brought about the lesser value of the thing now, but the thing itself remains in the ownership of the original owner. Okay, I'll take Yishalmena el Yashlimena. Rav Kana Amar Mehacha. Rav Kana says another pasuk we can learn it from. In Tarof Tarei, in Tarof in. <clears throat> so this this is talking about somebody who was watching an animal and if the a shomer and if the animal got um you know uh, devoured by a wild animal then he shall go ahead and pay for um um he has to pay for the dam well actually the puzzle says he does not pay for the damages um it's a hard puzzle to read exactly what yivyeu aid means um, but let's see what the Gemara does with this. If he, the person was a Shoah, for example, he would pay for it. Um, or if it happened and the animal was devoured and it wasn't an anus, there was a degree of negligence, then he would pay for the animal um, as a Shomer. <clears throat> 
And Yivyehu ate HaTrefa Lo Yishalem, Ad HaTrefa Yishalem, Trefa Atzma Lo Yishalem. So the way this is being read is, in a scenario in which there was a degree of negligence, he does not pay up to, you know, he does not pay for the actual dead animal. He pays Ad HaTrefa Yishalem. So Yivyehu Ad HaTrefa Yishalem, not aid, he shall pay up to the value of the dead animal. So the difference between the 100 and the 10, he pays for 90, but for the dead animal, the carcass, he's not paying for that. That still remains the owner's. Okay? Chizkiah Amar Mehacha, Chizkiah says from the following pasuk, Vameit Yihielo Linizak. That's when an ox scores a cow, and it says, you know, and it says, um, it says, Shalem Yishalem Shur Tachas Hashur, you should pay a, uh, a cow, an ox for an ox. Shalem Yishalem Shur Tachas Hashur, Vameit Yihielo, and you get the dead body. So that's actually directly dealing with our case. Now, what is it saying? Who is the Yihielo? Who is the one that gets the actual carcass? So we are reading it as Hamet Yelo Lenizak. It means that the damaged party so get the carcass and the damager, the one with the goring ox, he only pays for the loss of value. Now that is not necessarily the shot of the Pasuk. The Pad of the Pasuk is sure Tachasashur, you pay, you that's exactly the shot of the Pasuk is you break it, you buy it. You pay for the entire ox that got killed, and you, the damager, you take home the dead animal. Pay for the whole ox, you take home the dead animal. You broke it, you bought it. Okay, but that is not the way this is being read. This is being read, pay for the damage you created, and hamate the carcass, that remains with the original owner. Okay, now maybe it means like we thought. You know, no, the damager, you take the carcass and pay for the full ox, for the full dead ox. The answer is, no, that's not what it means. So the Gemara says, my lokachaya. What do you mean? No, that's not what I mean. There was a reasonable read of the pasuk. What's the response? No, if you were to read the pasuk to mean that the mazik, the the goring ox owner, is the one that has to take the dead carcass, it should have been simpler. It said, "You shall pay an ox for an ox." And I would have understood it meant pay for the entire ox and take home the dead carcass. Okay, the leash took. Why did it have to say, and the, the carcass will be his? It's telling you that, that it actually means not the simple meaning of pay for the full ox. Pay for the full ox once you, once you accept the idea that the nizak, the damager, the damagee, the owner, he still has the dead the carcass, and then you pay for the difference that you created. Of course, still, it's a, that becomes a very hard read of Shor Tachas Hashor, which sounds like the full ox. But anyway, the Gemara is saying that Shor Tachas Hashor itself would have told me that you, the mazik, take the dead carcass, since it then goes further and says, Hamei Yellow, rather than seeing it as reinforcing the simple meaning of the words, Shor Tachas Hashor, we're seeing it actually as modifying it and saying that the Mate Yellow means that the original owner keeps keeps the carcass, and you only pay the difference. Okay. Vitzricha. And you need it now to have been said in all of those three scenarios. One was a case of a person damaging a cow. The other was about a shomer, whose the cow got, uh, um, you know, uh, torn up by a wild animal. And the third was an ox goring a cow, or an ox. An ox goring an ox. Vitzricha. You need all three. 
If it was talking about the case of a person damaging, you know, killing a cow, that's a very rare case. A person would willingly go ahead and kill a cow. So in that case, you know, because it's rare, the Torah did not put, you know, went easier on the mazik. It's funny, why is it rare? It goes easier, but okay. And it didn't put the, and, and it said the Nizak still owns the dead carcass. The mazik only pays the difference. Okay, aval treifa deshicha, but a case about watching an animal that some wild animal came and um, and you know and tore at it and killed it. That's a more common case, and maybe if it's more common, the Torah should try to be a little more sensitive to the loss that's being incurred by the owner of the cow. Um, aim alone, maybe that that therefore uh, the owner the the dam the the the, the nizak, the owner of the cow would not have to worry about the carcass. Let the shomer pay for everything. So it needed to tell me that case. If it had just said the case about the Shomer, that you have to, that that's the responsibility of the uh, owner to deal with the carcass. That's because, okay, at the end of the day, the Shomer was just passively negligent. So we'll go a little easy on him and we'll let the owner worry about the carcass. Aval, Makabehema, but when a, a, a human being intentionally da- kills an animal, he'd be a dayim, it's doing it directly as an act of damage. Aim low, it shouldn't go easy on the guilty party, on the damaging party. And therefore, in that case, it should be the mazik who has to worry about the dead carcass. So, so therefore, you had to tell me both of those cases. One case, even though it's rare, it's still the obligation is, um, it, it, excuse me, one case, even though it's be a dayim, um, it's still the obligation is on the um, is on the damaged um, is on the nizak and on the other case even though it's a common case uh, the shomer case um, um, also nevertheless the um, I think I said that wrong let's say that again okay it has to tell me both cases it has to tell me the case of the person destroying it be a dayim, even though I might thought that you would go easy on the damager because it's rare. Nevertheless, that doesn't matter. And it has to tell me the case of the Shomer. I might have thought you would go easier on the Shomer because it's not direct. And even so, that case also. So even in a case when it's rare and even in a case when it's not direct, the responsibility... Um, um, all right, I think I said that wrong again. Let's try that one more time, okay? Even in a case where it's common, like the case of the Shomer... The responsibility of the a dead animal is is on the uh, owner, and even in a case when it is biadayim, like the case of a person uh, directly destroying an animal, the responsibility is on the owner. So even in the cases where we damaging proper party has, uh, you know, more sort of reason to make them obligated, we nevertheless, the responsibility for the nevela is on the owner. Okay, so that's why it needed those two cases. Vyatmin and Hani Tarki, if it had just said those two, you know, maybe each one of them, though, the reason the Torah is going easy is because each one of them has a reason to be a little bit sympathetic. Okay, one, even, one it's true that it's not, that it's common, but nevertheless, it's not biadayim. And the other, it's true it's biadayim, but nevertheless, it's rare. So maybe that's why the Torah is going easy. Avava, mesia low. But in the case about an ox goring another ox, a, it's both common, 
Ubiadayim, and it was a direct act of mazik, the ox scored the other ox. In that case, where it has both of those bad things, Amalo, maybe we would put the responsibility on the mazik. So it had to tell me, even that case, the responsibility is on the owner. And if it had just start, start say that said the case of the ox scoring the ox, that the responsibility is on the owner, at the end of the day, that's your property that's damaging. It's not you personally that's doing the damage. But when you personally do the damage, either as a shomer passively or actively as an automazik, I might think that in those cases, you, the mazik, have a responsibility. It had to tell you. All right. So it had to tell you in all these three cases, whether it's you doing it as an automazik, or as a shomer, or your ox doing it, whether it's common or rare, whether it's biadayim or mimela, in all those cases, doesn't matter. The responsibility is on the nizak. Doesn't seem so nice to the poor nizak who's the injured party. Okay, but conceptually you understand it because you're paying for the damage created and therefore you don't pay for the whole animal. You pay for the damage you caused, which is the original value minus the current value. Why should you have to go ahead and take a carcass that isn't your carcass, isn't from your animal? Okay. Um, now the Gemara continues. Um, I'm Rav Kahana Rav. So Rav Kahana said to Rav, um, Ella, Ella, time of the cause of Rahman of The reason we know this idea that Baili Matapalim bin Vela is because the Torah says that the carcass is his, and that we understand the carcass means the Nizak, the original owner. Halav Hachi had it not said that, I would have said, you know, if it had not been for all these psukim, I would have said, you damaged somebody's cow, you have to take the carcass and pay them for the whole value of the cow. Okay, he said, even if that were true, why couldn't you just turn around and use the carcass as part of the payment? So, hashta let's say the uh, the guy who's who who is the damager. Let's say Reuven's ox scored Shimon's cow. So, and now Shimon's cow is worth ten. So, if Reuven happens to have a storehouse of animal carcasses, so he could give you know Shimon ten animal carcasses to pay for his hundred dollar cow. Because we taught, it says, you know, you shall return. And this teaches us something we taught from way at the beginning, that you can pay even like dross, even, you know, even even a paper clips, um, you know, to uh, any type of object of value can be paid in a payment of a debt for um, for having caused damage. So therefore, says Gemara, I don't understand why any of this matters. Going spending all of this time to say that he only owes him 90 and he doesn't owe him a hundred, but he gets to take home the carcass. Let's say he owed him a hundred and he got to take home the carcass. Turn around and give him the carcass back, and that's the first ten dollars. You can pay the damaged person party with anything. So what difference does it make who gets the carcass? All right. So the Gemara says, um, so did me buy it? So obviously he could start by paying him with the carcass that originally began to, you know, that that was owned by by by, uh, by Shimon. So what, what's the point of saying, ah, Shimon has to keep the carcass and Ruvain only owes him $90. Let Ruvain own him $100 and the first $10 is the carcass. So no, the Mar says, look, here's why you need it. Okay, for the depreciation of the carcass. Because when does Shimon start when does Ruvain start paying Shimon? 
When they come to court and the court says, oh, okay, it was a damage of, you know, I don't know, let's say the, let us say they said the whole value of the cow. They came to court, they said it was a value of $100 and go ahead and yet now owe them $100. And, and Ruvain, let's say the halacha was, owned the carcass. So at the moment that the the animal w- was gored and died, the carcass was worth 10. But now that it finally is time for him to pay, the carcass has com- t- continued to depreciate, and is worth five. So he goes around and he hands it to Shimon, he's only paid $5. But if we say from the very outset that Ruvain only owed $90, so then if if the value of the carcass goes down, Shimon is going to suffer that loss, and Reuven from the very beginning owes $90. So the Gemara says there is a conceptual difference if Reuven owes $100 and owns the carcass, or owes $90, okay? And the, just conceptually, it's different. And, you know, but, but practically, it'll play out if the carcass changes in value, okay? If he owes him 100 and the carcass changes in values, then that change in value, which most likely will be going down in value, will be incurred by Reuven. If he owes him 90, any change in value will be incurred by Shimon. So now the Gemara says like this, Let's say this issue of who has to incur the cost of the going down of the value, let's say that's a machlokas tanayim. Meaning also, which is another way of saying this very principle of whether you owe 90 or 100. Okay, who owns the nevela? Titania, we taught in the Braisa, exactly on this Pasuk, which is one of the sources of our teaching. In Tarof Yitarev Yivyeu Eid, last line of Yudam Bet, now we start with Yudal Ham Aleph, okay? If it is torn up, you should bring aid, let's see, which literally means a witness, let's see how this is read. Um, um, so now the Gemara continues, on the top of Yudal Ham Aleph, Yavi Eidim Shenitrefa Ba'ones Upater. So what it means is, that's a simple sense of the Pasuk, this is a Shomer Sachar. So it says, if he can bring aid, testimony, that it was not, it was that the wild animals attacked and it was due to not even a tiny negligence of his own, it was complete honest, completely out of his control, then he is exempt. Okay, simple halacha that a Shomer Sachar is exempt when it's an honest. That's reading number one. Abishol Omer, Yavi Aduda Lebeistin. No, Yavieu Aid, Aid here means Aduda, which is like the, uh, you know, the carcass, or there's different reads, you know, Tosos has a read, Arura, the cursed, you know, dead animal. Um, but anyway, bring the dead animal to the basin, meaning, and therefore pay, let the basin determine how much the carcass is worth, and you, the mazik, have to pay the difference. So reading Abishol to say this principle, like we had taught before, that the Nizak has to deal with the Nevela. Um, my lab, this must be the debate. It's going in the reverse order. Abishol would understand the Pachas Nevela is the Nizak. The Mazik only pays, the basin assesses the value of the carcass and the Mazik pays the difference. Umar suffered the Mazik and Abishol, who doesn't read the Pasuk that way, would say, no, actually the Mazik is high of the full hundred. Yes, he can use the Nevela to pay, but it starts with fundamentally he's a high of the full hundred and it's his Nevela. So the Gemara says, no, 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 we're going to try to insist that everybody agrees to our teaching, that you only are obligated in the difference, and that the original owner stays on, retains ownership over the carcass. And the issue here, meaning, you know, what, what Abishol is being sort of mechadesh, you know, that uh, the Tanakam is not buying into, is the question of 
who has to bring the nevela to the basin? You know, this happened out in the field, and now you got to go ahead and you got to, like, if basin has to assess it, you got to schlep the ba- uh, nevela to the basin. That's Abishal's language. Yavi aduda le basin. Okay, or we'll see in the Gemara, you know, you might have to bring it from the field to the city if you wanted to sell it and get some, pa- and get, you know, get some cash for it. So who has the responsibility to schlep it into the city? So, Hatanya, as we taught in the Brisa, Hatanya here is not a question, but it's a support. How do you know that the mazik, the owner of the well, is the one that has to bring the, 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 the dead animal out of the well? Okay, even though the dead animal belongs to the nizak, and you, it's you, the one who did the damage, that have to bring it out of the well to get it to a place where it could be sold to somebody else. How do you know that? Money he should pay back to the owner and the dead. So meaning, and the dead also, he has to bring back to the owner. He has to make it something that can be used and something that can be sold. So that's what Abishol is teaching. Everybody agrees that it's the Nizak carcass, but Abishol is teaching the same teaching we had over here, that it's the Mazik's responsibility to make the, bring the carcass to, you know, the town so that it could be sold and the Niza can go ahead and get some money for it. So the Gemara says, hey, he dummy, let's understand the case, says the Gemara. The Gemara says, I don't get it. If at the bottom of the well, it's worth a dollar. And when you schlep it to the top of the well, it's worth $4, right? Because somebody will say, yeah, I'll buy it for you from a dollar, because I'm, but they're only going to pay you a dollar because they would have to, you know, transport it, bring it from the bottom of the well, right? So, okay, so, and if you were to bring it at the top of the well, they would be willing to pay $4. So if that's the scenario, so then Sigmar says, I don't understand who cares who's doing it, right? It, because, because in that case, if I was the mazik, if you said, I didn't have a responsibility to bring it to the top, I'd owe the guy $99. Now I go ahead and I schlep it to the top, right? Now I would owe the guy $96. So I'm just benefiting myself. So who cares whether you say, I have to bring it to the top and then we figure out how much I owe, 96 or I don't have to bring it to the top, it's only worth a dollar, and I have to pay 99. So <laughs> either way, it's a different, you know, I'm, it's, you know, one case, it, it, I only pay 96 because I exerted $3 of effort, and in the other case, I pay 99, I didn't exert $3 of effort. Who cares whose responsibility it is? So Amar he said to him, look, it's a scenario where even though logically it's true that it should be worth more once it's brought to the top of the well, the case is, is that, you know, people don't, you know, will pay the same whether it's at the bottom of the well or the top of the well. So the Gemara says, does that ever happen? Like, you know, obviously people are businessmen. They'll factor in the transport into the cost of the item. So the Gemara says, in, yes, people say, if you want to go buy ahead and try to buy a, a beam in the city, it'll cost you a dollar. And if you want to go ahead and buy it out in the, te- you know, out in the village, it'll, you know, out in the field, it'll also cost you a dollar, even though, you know, it, it, you know, you need to schlep it into the city. Again, doesn't really explain it because how would you be that you would not factor in, you know, the cost of transportation. But we do know sometimes when you put in effort, you do not necessarily realize, you know, your investment in the increased price of the object. Like when people make home improvements, you know, the amount that it costs to make the home improvement does not uh, usually... Um, 
they don't usually realize it in the resale value of the home to the full degree. Okay, so basically what the Gemara is saying is, yes, it does matter. We are going to say that the Mazik has a responsibility, and even though that will reduce the, it might reduce the Mazik's debt, because it's only going to be computed by the difference, okay, it might not reduce it by as much as the effort he expended. So he might expend $3 worth of effort to bring it to the top of the well, but it's only going to reduce his debt by a dollar, okay? So it is important to determine who has a responsibility to bring this thing to a place where it could be sold. Fine. So now we have concluded the principle that Pchas um, Nevela is Denizak, that the Mazik pays only for the damage, um, and he does not own the damaged object. He only pays for the damage that he, that he you know, uh, did. Um, and although, again, he might have a responsibility to help bring the damaged object to a place where it could be sold. All right, so that's the very important principle that you pay just for the damage. You don't buy, it's not you break it, you buy it. Now the Gemara says like this, Amar Shmuel, now we're going to have an interesting contrast. Said Shmuel, this idea of shaman, of assessing the difference between how it was worth and how it's worth now, and you pay the difference, okay, you look at the damage incurred, that is only for nizikin, for damages, but not for a ganav and a gazan, a thief and a burglar. And a, and a burglar. If I go ahead and I steal your, your car, your, your $10,000 car, okay, and then, um, you know, if a tree falls on it and it destroys and now it's worth $100, okay, it's not that I say, well, I owe you $9,900, take your car back. No. I owe you the full $10,000. This whole principle of pchas nevela, that the, the, the original owner keeps the ownership of the object, that's by nezek. It's not by geneva and gzela. And the reason for this is makes an enormous amount of sense and Tosus explains why. Because in one case, I didn't take possession of your object. I just broke it, okay? I just broke it. It was your object. I made it worth less. I did a damage. I paid for the damage I did. So your cow was worth 100. Now it's worth 10. I damaged your cow 90. I owe you $90. If I steal your cow, however, I took the whole cow. That act of Geneva Gzela made me liable $100. Now that I'm liable $100, I owe you $100. And if the cow dies, okay, I still owe you conceptually $100. Can I use the dead cow to pay back? That's another interesting question. This idea that you can pay back with Subin. Does it apply by, apply by Geneva Gzela? Maybe not. Maybe I have to pay you real cash, okay? Because fundamentally, I owe you $100. And it starts with fundamentally, I have to give you back a cow. And if not giving you back a cow, maybe I have to give you back cash. I can't give you back crap, okay? Junk, okay? So that's one possibility. Um, even if I could give you back the dead cow, it's still conceptually, as part of payment, it conceptually starts with the idea that I owe you for the whole cow, I took the cow, I owe you $100, now we can discuss what type of objects or money or whatever you can use to pay back. So that makes an enormous amount of sense, and that is Shmuel's teaching. Ain shaman lo When it comes to Ghanav and Gazan, you start with the idea that you stole it, you took it, you owe for the full amount. Okay, Elon and Nizikin. It's only for Nizikin that you look at the differences. Vaniomer says Shmuel, and I say, now who is he contrasting himself to? So Rashi says he's contrasting himself to a standard practice of the judges. Tosus has a gear so that he says, my father says that, and I say, Af even for a borrower, the Abba Modali, and my father actually did agree to me on that as well. 
Now, Ibailu, Hachikamar, Aflishoa, Shamin, Vabamodali, is he saying that a Shoel is like Nazikin and you focus on the difference? And my father agrees with me? Odium, or is he saying Hachikamar? Maniumer Aflishoel ain't Shamin. I say a Shoel is like a Ganav and a Goslin, and you fundamentally pay for the full amount. The Abba Modali, and my father agrees. Now, the reason for that is, you know, it gets to a really interesting conceptual question. Because by Shomrim, as we've seen throughout, you know, so far, by a normal Shomer, you could understand my negligence caused this thing to break. It's like I broke it. Okay. And therefore, a normal Shomer would be like Nizikin, and I would pay for the loss of value. And one of the sources we had earlier was a standard Shomer, Yivyeu Aid, right? Shomer Sachar, and so on was exactly that, that a Shomer pays for the loss of value. It's like I damaged it, I'm liable for the damage. But a Shoel, when I borrow it, there's a degree to which I am taking the object as if it were mine. I'm using it as if it were mine. And therefore, I'm responsible to return the whole object to you. It's not fundamentally something went wrong and therefore I have to pay it. It started from the moment I borrowed it that I had a responsibility. It's like I became mine to return it. And therefore, that would be like a Ganavar Gosden that you would have to pay for the whole thing. Okay, so that is the logic of that and that's what we're going to say. So now let's say it. Okay, Tashma dahu gavadashal narga michavre. A person bought like a hax from his friend. Tavre he bro- he broke it. Asal kamei to Rav he came to Rav. Um, uh, excuse me, oh, I made a mistake. Avi here I said father, but I did not mean father because there's another case about avua dishmul. Avi here means Rav. Okay, so um, so Abba so Abba refers here to Rav. Okay, so I said anyway. My so so Rav says this whatever, and anyway, and he Rav agrees to me. So let's see what Rav says. Tashma du gavadish shal nargam mechavich tav also lekamid Rav king to Rav. I'm lay zio shlim lay nargam alia. And Rav said, go pay for a full for a full axe. Okay, so you see, Shmamina in Shaman. So you see that um that you do not, you know, that Shoel is like an Evan Gazela, that you pay for the full amount. Rav said, pay for the full. He didn't say pay for the difference. Okay, so when Shmuel said, Abba agrees to me, and you know, you know, which means Rav agrees to me, clearly he meant agrees to me that and repays the full amount. Okay, Shmamina in Shaman. Ad Rav says the Gemara the opposite. Since Rav Khan and Ravazi challenged Rav and said to him, Dina Hachi, is that really the halacha? Shouldn't you just pay the difference? Vishasik and Rav was silent. You see that actually you pay the difference that Shoel is like other Shomrim. Okay, great question. So you have Shomrim and Nizikin where you focus on the damage that was done and you pay for the difference. You have Ganev and Zela where you took the whole object and you pay for the whole object. And now, which side of it does 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 Shoel fall on? Okay, so Rav's t- statement originally was that it's what felt on the Gnev and Gzela, but he was challenged and silent. So it sounds like maybe he conceded that it falls on the Nazikin side. Okay, so let's see what the Gemara says. Um, you pay for the Gnev and actually even. Different than everything we've been saying, even in Ghana and Gaza, and you pay the difference. Rav Papi Amr ain't Shaman. Rav Papi says you don't assess the difference, you pay for the full amount, what Shmuel was teaching. The Hilchasa ain't Shaman, and the Allah says you do not. Low to Ganev, the low to Goslin, not for the Ganev and not for the Goslin, like we've been saying. Okay, that is your Chaya for the whole object. 
Avalu Shoel Shaman. But for the Shoel, you are Shaman. Kid Rav Kahana, Rav Asi. Like Rav Khan and Rav Asi, they challenged Rav and Rav was silent. So even though there's a nice logic by a Shoel that it's like you took it, it became yours, and you're obligated the full amount, we don't say that. We say by a Shoel, you're borrowing it, it's not yours. And until something goes wrong, you're not liable. And when something goes wrong, you are liable, and you're liable for the damage, not for the whole object, okay? So whether Shomrim, whether Shoel, whether Adamamazik, whether Mamanamazik, all those cases are seen as cases of damage, and you pay the difference, and the owner retains ownership over the object, as opposed to Gnev and Gzela, you took the object, and you're now Chayev for the full object. Okay, that was the teaching of Shmuel. Now that we have that halacha in the name of um, of, um, of Ula, uh, in the name of Rebbe Lezer, we're going to teach another halacha, another string of halachas in the name of Ula Amar Rebbe Lezer. If a woman was, you know, had a, uh, a, a miscarriage and the afterbirth came out, um, which contained the, something is the embryo, um, you know, the, and, um, and some of it came out while it was, you know, Sunday, you know, right before nightfall and the rest after Sunday night. And the relevance here is when did, you know, the majority of the fetus, which was in the, in, you know, in, in, in the sack come out because that's when she would start counting her seven or 14 days for being, for Tumas Leda, for being Tmei'ah, for having given childbirth. Okay, so here he said, Ula said the name of if it came out some on day one and some on day two, meaning the end of Sunday, the beginning of Monday, you start counting the seven, the seven or you would do 14 to be safe, The four, in case it was a, a female, 14 days of Tumas later starting from Sunday. Amalei Rava said, Rava, why are you saying start by Sunday? You want to be safe? Because maybe she touched something on Sunday and she was Tumay on Sunday. It'll lead to a leniency. Because you're going to count the 14 days starting Sunday, but the 14 days might only be starting on Monday. So if you don't know which day the childbirth actually was seen to have occurred, you should have to be play it safe both ways. El Rava, so Rava actually pushes back on this teaching and says, from, Yes, you're right, from starting day one, she's concerned that she might be Tmea, and if she touches something, it's Tmea. But she only starts counting the 14 days to know when her tumor is going to end from Monday. My Kamash one. So the Gemara says, what Chiddush is any of this? The Ain mix is below Vlad. What it's teaching you is, even if a little part of, you know, the um, the sack comes out on Sunday, we're concerned that it has a, some of, you know, we assume that it definitely has some of the fetus in it, if the fetus here, the assumption is, is dissolved, okay? And if it has some, we're concerned it has the majority, okay? Because if we would say it would be possible that some of the sack came out and none of the fetus was in it, then we would not be concerned that there was a majority and that the childbirth had started from Sunday. The only reason we're concerned childbirth might be started Sunday is because we start by assuming some of the fetus definitely came out on Sunday and therefore we're concerned it's a majority. Okay, so that's the Chiddush. The Chiddush is, is that we start by, by, by saying definitely some of the fetus came out with the sack on Sunday. So the Gemara says, Tanina, but we already talked that. Okay, if an animal, you know, this uh, the amniotic sack came out a little bit and then the animal was 
shechted, while a little of the amniotic sac came out, then what's in the amniotic sac is forbidden because normally we would say the shechita on the animal would permit what was in the womb of the animal and if the animal had a fetus and so on. But since we're assuming that some of the amniotic but since some of the amniotic sac came out and there definitely was some of the animal there, we're assuming it might be the majority, so therefore the whole thing is going to be forbidden. Okay, asura b'achila. Simen vlad b'isha, simen vlad b'veima. The amniotic sac is an indication that there is birth, whether for a woman or for an animal. So that shows you, says the Gemara, that we say that definitely some of the animal came out with a sack. Because if we didn't say that, then we would be lenient and we would not have to be concerned, you know, that um, to make forbidden what was in what was in the amniotic sack, because maybe none of the animal came out and maybe it was permissible when the mother was shechted. So the Gemara says, no. must need to have I mean, if it was just for that, I would have said. Yesh makes a shilya blavlad. It's possible that some of that, when that, when that sack came out, there was no animal in it. So then why are we saying that the animal that then is found afterwards inside of it is, you know, the fetus is forbidden? Um, um, Nevertheless, I'm not going to allow that case of eating from what's in the amniotic sac, you know, when you shecht the animal, even though it's possible nothing was in what came out when the animal was shechted, because it'll lead to permitting it cases when a lot came out, or the, or the majority or all of it came out, and so on. So therefore, we just have to forbid it when any part of that sac comes out. But it doesn't prove whether we're, we say definitely some of the fetus was in it or wasn't in it. Some of those cases are going to be a problem. We have to forbid all of them. But in our case, you know, we need to know whether you start counting on Sunday or Monday, and there's a chiddish here that we have to be concerned already on Sunday. Okay, the Amar Ula Amar Rabbi Lezer says Ula in the name of Rabbi Lezer, top of Yud Aleph Amud Bet. Another teaching: Bechor Shenitraf Betosh Loshim Yom. If you had a um, a Bechor, a firstborn son, and something happened, you know, was attacked by an animal and um, or whatever, or attacked by people, um, and it became a trefa, um, you know, some wound that made it that meant that it would that the boy was definitely going to die. Okay, within the thirty days, so before he became obligated in the midst of Pidyanah. Ben, um, ain't podina so, then when day 30 rolls around, you don't do Pidyana Ben. Even though when he was born, he was totally healthy and he could have lived, and even though he's still alive, this is the way Tosus understands it, on day 30, since he is now a trefa, even though clearly it was due to outside forces, um, he's not considered to be a full, like, living person, and therefore you do not do Pidyana Ben. Um, because the Pesach says you shall surely redeem maybe you would even redeem a boy that had became a trefa during the first 30 days however that there are cases you don't do it okay that's that teaching a lot of things with animals and you know births and so on so now you have a large animal like a cow you can t- you take possession of it by drawing it near you Okay, that's another teaching. One minute in Kiddushin we said that you take possession of a cow or horse or whatever by handing over the reins. So how is he saying only by pulling it to you? He teaches like the other Tana, know that even a, not only a sheep, you do Mashiach, you pull it, and a goat, but even a cow and a horse by Mashiach, that's his teaching. Reb Shimon says both, actually both a sheep, goat, and also like a horse and a cow, only by lifting up. And the Gemara discusses how do you lift up a cow. Okay. 
V'amar Ula, yet another teaching of Ula in the name of Rabbi Lezer. Amar Rabbi Lezer, Ha'achim shechilku masha'aleim shaman masha'abaneim of noseim ein shaman. You have brothers that have been living off of an estate. They have yet to divide up the estate. Okay, when it finally comes time to divide up off the estate, you figure out how much, clo- you know, you, you assess, you, you have them come to basin and you assess the value of the clothes that they're wearing, that if they were, you know, got those clothes from the money of the estate. And that goes towards how much they took from the estate when you're figuring everything out about equal division. But you don't ask them to bring their kids to the basin to assess the clothes that their kids are wearing, even if it was paid for from the estate. Um, why? Because it is not considered to be like, you know, um, um, because, you know, uh, appropriate to be uh, bringing the kids. You know, it, would, it would not be re- like respectful to them to have to schlep all these kids to based in to assess the value of the clothes that they're wearing. So you just figure that everybody is like Mohel. All right? Um, there are times that even that what's on on them you don't assess, that you don't like, you know, say, oh, you're wearing a $1,000 Armani suit and you're only wearing a $200 suit. So, you know, you've already got taken $1,000 from the estate and you've taken 200 There are times you don't say that, even for the brother's themselves. Why? If one of them, the elder brother, or somebody acting in that capacity, representing the estate, you know, in various uh, business deals, you know, if there's been one person that's been doing that, and therefore he's been using estate money, like as a clothing allowance, you know, to dress properly so that he can represent them and get good deals for the brothers and so on, then he can continue to keep those clothes, and you assume because the brothers were mochel, they were okay that he was using the estate money, even though he wound up taking more money out of the estate than they did, that was important for their, all of their benefits. Okay. Now, this is a whole story in Baba Metziah, but again, it's a teaching of, Lezer, of, of Ula in the name of Rebbe Lezer. If a Shomer hands over to another Shomer, he's exempt, meaning that does not make him liable for damages. Okay, so if I, you, you know, Fred gave something to Ruvain to watch. Ruvain asked Shimon, hey, would you watch this for me? I'm watching this for Fred. The giving it over to Shimon does not make Ruvain liable. Ruvain is not is still liable for whatever he would have normally been liable for. If he's a Shomer Chinam, he'll be liable for Pshia. If he's a Shomer Sacher, Gnev and Aveda. Okay, but he's not more liable for handing it over to Shimon. Obviously, it goes without saying that if Reuven was a Shomer Chinam and he paid Shimon to watch it for him, and that would have ensured logically even better Shmira because, you know, Shimon is being paid and he's going to work harder and he's also going to be more responsible if something goes wrong, so you can assume it would be even better. Certainly in that case, Reuven did nothing wrong, that he raised the level of Shmira. Even if Reuven was a Shomer Socha and he gave it to Shimon to do it for free, and you could assume that if Shimon is doing it for free, he's not going to do as good of a job. Now Shimon is not going to, is going to do a lesser job. Nami Potter. Reuven is exempt. He doesn't incur liability for handing it over to Shimon. Okay, now, as a Shomer Sachar, he's still going to be chayv in Gnev and Aveda. Okay, he doesn't get off the hook. He doesn't walk away. Okay, but he does not incur any liability for handing it over to Shimon. Okay, that is the teaching. Why? Because at the end of the day, Shimon is an adult and a responsible person. So, you know, he did not do anything wrong or negligent by asking Ruvain, by asking Shimon to watch it. And, you know, his level of liability remains the level it always was. That's Ula in the name of Rebbe Lesser. Rava, however, disagrees. Rava, Amar, Shomer, 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 Chayef. No, 
Actually, if Ruben gives it to Shimon, the act of giving it is an act of negligence or violating the terms of your agreement, or we'll see other possibilities. And therefore, actually, he is going to be liable if something goes wrong. And here, chayev means chayev even if an anus happens. Even if, you know, some accident happens, nobody's fault, the thing broke. As soon as you... Uh, shirked your responsibility that you accepted on yourself to watch it, you are now liable for anything that goes wrong. Sort of like Okay? It goes without saying that if uh, Ruvain was a Shomer Sachar and he gave it to Shimon and Shimon was a Shomer Chinam, that he actually, you know, may, you could expect that it was going to be watched in a less careful way. Certainly that was an act of negligence and um, on Ruvain's part. Even if Ruvain was a Shomer Chinam and he now has Shimon doing it as a Shomer Sachar, so he could actually be saying, I actually hired somebody who I could expect would do a better job than me. And therefore, what did I do wrong? No, Chayev, you have violated the terms. You have been negligent. You are going to be liable if anything goes wrong. Why? The Amar lay because the owner who gave you this object to watch could say, I trusted you. I trust you. And therefore, that means that if something happened to the object, you would make a shvua to, to attest to what happens to the object. And I had implicitly agreed that I would accept your shvua. I never agreed I would accept Shimon's shvua. So if something happens from it, you know, to it now, I just, you know, any shvua he makes to me is just going to be rejected out of, out of hand. And therefore, I'm going to have to just assume that it was negligence. Now, if said that way, it's only a question of does a shua have to be, you know, who can be believed? If there were witnesses, if Uvein happened to be around so could directly testify with a shua, that would seem to negate those concerns. Um, but in Barmitzia, another issue, you know, for, for why Shomer Shemosul Shomer Chayv is given, which is basically, which is, you know, I'd never agree that anybody else would watch it. You fundamentally violated the terms. I wanted you to watch it. Nobody else, period. I don't care if you tell me he would have done a better job, not a better job, that was going against your responsibility and you shirked your responsibility and therefore you're liable. Okay. Um, Valmar Ula will do one more, says Ula, Amar Abelazar, Hilchasa Govin Min Avadim. You can collect from Avadim, um, which basically means that um, that um, that uh, slaves are like karka, are like land, and therefore, if there's a debt against somebody, um, then you know the creditors have liens on the person's real estate. So this seems to say they also have liens on the person's slaves, which means if the person sells his slaves or sells his, you know, same way if he sells his real estate, they can be the debt can be collected from them. So the Gemara says, Amar le Rav Nachman le'ulas. Rav Nachman said to Ula, Amar Rav Lezer, Afilu biyasmi. Did he really? He said, even from orphans, that, that, which really uh, is, um, you know, Tosal says any discussion here of orphans, it's really not different from that about Lukuchos, about other parties who buy it. Really? Did he really say that you can collect from slaves and you have a lien on slaves and you can collect from somebody that's not the original debtor himself, whether from orphans or or from, you know, or from purchasers? Did he really say that? So, uh, so, lo, mine. So he said, no, 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 I didn't mean that. I meant that you can collect from slaves if they're still in the possession of the original debtor. So he said back, 
Minei, from him, you can even take the shirt off his back, not literally, but whatever. But you know, obviously you can take, you know, the idea is normally the world is divided into karka and matatalin. Matatalin are chattel, karka is real estate. For the debtor himself, you can collect from any of his property. But if you want to collect from somebody that's not the debtor, because have a lien because the debtor sold his property or he died and his heirs have it, that's only real estate. And then we have to decide which bucket does slaves go into? Do they go into the cattle or do they go into the property category? So now that he's saying this idea that you can collect from slaves means from the debtor himself, well, that's obvious. You can collect from anything from the debtor himself. So... No. So then we're going to reverse a second time. What are we talking about? That you actually made the slave an apotiki, which is basically like you designated a lien, an explicit lien on the slave himself. It wasn't just generic liens that get created automatically on my real estate, but that the slave, you specifically said there will be a lien on this slave. Okay, so now what we, Ula is revising the statement of Rebbe Lezer. It sounded like he was saying slaves are like real estate, there are liens. Okay, now he, under pressure, he's revising it to slay, say basically slaves don't have liens. Okay, they are like chattel, but if you make a explicit apotiki lien on it, then you can collect from it. Okay, kid Rava, like Rava, the Amar Rava, Asa Avda Apotiki Macharo Balchov Gove Heimenu. That if you went ahead and you made your slave an Apotiki, you put a lien on it, then you could go ahead and collect from it from a third party, from a purchaser, or from an heir. Okay, however, so now you'll say, okay, again, it's obvious you made an explicit lien, but it's not obvious, okay, because it does not work by normal shadow. Shoro Apotiki Macharo Ein Balchov Gove Heimenu. My time, No, because at the end of the day, right, the the slave is still like real estate in that it's more public. What you know, like people know what the slaves are, and if you make a a, a lien on a slave, people will know. Oh, you know, Ru, you know that person, you know, Ruvain's slave, that person over there. There's a lien on him, and therefore, if a somebody buys the slave, they will. It's buyer beware. They'll know that there's a lien on it. Okay, slaves are still people, and therefore they're individuals, and they're known, and they're known that they have liens on them. Which ones have liens? Which ones don't? And therefore, it's only fair to allow these liens to work. If the people that purchase the property, you know, can protect themselves. So therefore, a lien, there's by default a lien on real estate, and that's something that's considered to be generally known and knowable. That's why there are also documents about it, and therefore the purchasers of real estate can protect themselves or be aware what they're getting into when they buy real estate. And therefore, by a slave, by default, there aren't liens, but if you make a lien, that will work because it'll become well enough known and people can protect themselves or be aware. Whereas a lien made explicitly on something like a cow, that will not take effect because nobody knows which cow has a lien and therefore nobody can protect themselves. Okay, we will continue with this discussion tomorrow. Tomorrow.